Podcast Network at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Okay, I think I think we are live. Let me turn up volumes. Can you hear anything? I got you now, Rob. All right, all right. There's there's something happening. It's no suggestion improv comedy talk show. We're we got a funky setup. Hold on, funky chicken. Hold on. All right, this is this is what we call vamping in uh, the these spaces adjacent to the business. Uh, here's the thing: if you didn't know what vamping was, and you were in a professional or personal situation, and someone came running up to you, waved your hands, and said "vamp," would you know what to do? I I contend that these days, a much lower percentage would know what to do than was true, say, in the, I don't know, 50s, the 40s and 30s, really, and I'm back from then. Somehow I feel like there was more shows about, more culture about the act of being a person doing a show, about show business. And so there was, it was like a bit that would happen somehow in things that somebody would go, vamp, vamp, you gotta vamp fast. Hold on. We're almost, you're almost done vamping. I'm, I'm almost there. Now, the modern equivalent of vamp, as far as a term that if you went to the other time period, they wouldn't know what it was in the way that you do, is meta. Like if a person from the past jumped up to the modern day, ran up to you and said, "Uh, they're coming, Uh, vamp, you might not know what to do. If you jumped back to their era, something happened and you were like, oh, well, we want it to be kind of meta, they would likely be baffled. Right? So, what we have here is something... What are you talking about? To baffle both of these parties, Ralph, this has been a vamp about vamping and the word meta. In other words, a meta vamp. You you come down here from, from the city with all your big fancy college talking. Now, we don't... We don't like that kind of talk here. I don't know if you're some kind of, if you think yourself some kind of doctor or some kind of lawyer, but I know you as Lucas, the man who sold pickles. And that's how I'm going to continue to know you. And that's who you're going to be. I sold pickles. I sold them past tense. I used to sell pickles. I sold the pickles. Now, that's what I said. I said that you sold pickles but I at don't, the grocers. I don't sell them anymore. I paid my way through undergrad and then through medical school so that I could become indeed a doctor. So you be, so you could become indeed a highfalutin. That's what you became. Falutin high above, above all I the think common folk. I think I have earned the degree to which I falute. You've, you, you falute too much? You do too. You're doing too much falutin, okay? I liked it better when you sold pickles. I tell you, and and many in many in town are talking about it as well. That's what Rebecca said too. I think Lucas. I think that's why. That's why your lady left you. 
because you were a fine pickle salesman. They were glazed and gleaming, shining, crisp, crisp as a, as the fall autumn night air. You sold pickles and you sold them fine. You sold them proud. I remember each gleaming, each gleaming spear of you li- you liked a pickle ha- that you, you liked a half sour, Amos, didn't you? Oh. I always felt I was a little half sour myself. It was like I was eating a little bit of home. That's what you sold me. You sold us something real, something flavorful and delicious, salty, like a maybe a maybe a just a little taste of home, a little bit of sweat on a softball field at on a nice summer night. Rebecca was right. She was right. I lost touch with who I was because I left where I'm from. And I stopped being me. She left on the back of a motorbike. I know. I know on what she left. She was she was g- giggling with glee, giddiness. The whole town was remarked on her glee. Yeah, and she was dressed really sexy in a way that she never did when we were together. But as soon as, as soon as she met that Joseph, her hair was feathered like an eighties teen pop idol. All of a sudden, it was feathered, and I remember as she was riding out of town, shrieking. We'll never forget what she was shrieking. He doesn't flute. It's true, Joseph wouldn't flute if you put a gun to his head. He doesn't flute. If anything, he would. He would. I. He. He would maybe low flute. You know, he would actually make you. Before I realized, you know, what was happening behind my back, he would make me the most incredible. Like I would ask for pancakes, and he would make me crepes. And I mean, these are like Parisian level, excellently made crepes. And they were just incredible. And he would go and just go like, uh, here's your pancakes. I, I I don't know what, you know what I mean? And he would low falute that shit because it was nice. And he would, you know, but if you're going to falute. He became a master of the low falute. And you, 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 you underestimated him. And his, his low falute somehow became a high flute. And your high falute somehow brought you low. And it's, it's ironic because... All, all Rebecca ever really wanted was a pickle. Anyway, Amos, let, let's take a look at your x-rays, okay? So, I'm sure I'm dying. All right, see. <laughs> uh, this is No Suggestion, an improv comedy talk show. I'm Ralph Jean-Pierre, and we got with us... Hey, I'm Jeff Grimwood. I just... Jeff Grimwood. I just Grimsy. reached out with my fully sealed water bottle to set it down and right where i was going to set it down there's a uh, label that says do not place drinks here will it fit in that thing no No. it won't fit in the cup holder it's too mighty your 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 thermos is too mighty it's a it's a 40 ounce hydro flask and i and i say that because uh i want people to know that um that's what you want to get if you want to have a water bottle that will keep your water cold it will hydrate you and Nice. We are on the air. Awesome. We're on the air. And if you, if you, in a pinch, it is weaponizable. Ooh. And like road tested, can confirm weaponizable. It'll bring, it'll bring the thunder. It'll bring the, it'll bring the water and the thunder. Yep. Elemental. It will interrupt a crime in a baffling enough way that uh, the guy just hand, just tossed my wife's phone back at me and, and, and just walked away and then just stood there until the train stopped. And then, and then me and my wife got off the train story this was about a week ago what you hit somebody with that thing well there was only one dude on the train and, and we were like eh, it's fine but then later we were like oh he's he's shirtless and i don't think he has any stuff so he just got on here in just his little gym shorts 
and he was it was an express train and it was so there was a long period and uh he got up at one point and started sort of walking back and forth and then he very like clearly like went over and like looked at the next train to see is there anybody nearby and we were like uh. and then he kind of pranked he literally pranced by and then he like sort of sing song something to himself i couldn't tell what it was and then he reached out in a way that, and I, and I, I may say there's no value judgment. It is just a literally a description of how he did. He reached out in a very mincing fashion. He reached out, and this is like a, like a, like a pretty, like a, like a wiry, muscular, skinny dude. And he like reached out in a mincing fashion and went like, yoink. He didn't say yoink, but he yoinked my wife's phone, which admittedly she leaves hanging out of her friggin' bag, but he just yoinked, yoinked it out. And it was just only us there. And he's like right in our face. And like, and so Jenny, my wife is like, is like, hey, and me. I don't know. I was, I guess, very loose and limber in my reactions. And, and I think I went into like, okay, this is happening now. And either like, like we, this guy has advanced us well, conclusively across the line. Yeah. And I don't want to live here across the line unless I have, you know, everything at my disposal clearly on the table here. And I was like, I'm going to just end this now, hopefully by just being friggin' weird. Can we swear? Yeah. By yeah, being yeah. Fucking weird right yeah. away. And so I just, in one instant swoop, as my wife went, hey, I just stood up and I had my giant 40-ounce water bottle, which I had just filled, and I just, I just like, stood up and I just hucked it at him. And he was, like, only about as far, like, about four feet away from me, if that. And I just sort of lifted it up like it was a, like a, I don't know how to say this, but, you know, sort of, I didn't swing it at him. I just, like, held it like this and just kind of hucked it at him. Yeah. <laughs> and beamed him with it. I think I got him like on the shoulder or something. It was all very fast and very adrenaline. But I just, I, got, I just went up and I like yelled something incoherent, like ah, and then I just, and I just hucked it at him and it bonked him. And then he looked at me like, "What have you done?" <laughs> like he looked at me like he didn't know what was going on. And then I yelled again, something very incoherent. I think I said the word "fucky" in there, which doesn't, it's not a thing. But I was like, wah, wah, wah. and I think also I'd been sitting down, kind of curled up, and then I stood up, and I think I was, I was larger than he thought. And I don't know, but so he kind of looked at us and was like, and then he just reached his hand up again and then just kind of tossed my wife's phone in the way that you would toss like a, a business card someone gave you. And then you oh, realized wow. it was like for something objectionable. And he's like, and he's like, flipped it back towards me and it just clattered onto the floor. And I just kind of looked at him and he stood there and then he took like a step back and then I went like, Bleh. and then it was clearly over. And so I just like bent down and turned my back to him and got the phone out from the thing <laughs> from under the seat of the train. And then got off the train. Wow. Was that your stop? It was. Wow. <laughs> My God. That is... The, the the immediate thoughts that that's putting into my head is that we're... Uh, one sec. It's just making me think about what I think a lot of people are low-key wondering, which is like, are we sort of... Uh, uh, are we sort of sliding back into a 70s, 80s, mm. 90s New York? I think, uh, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely that that question's in the air. In the air. And I think the furthest we've gone in that direction, or the furthest we, the closest we've come to heading in that direction, is on the trains, I think. Re- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funky. It's funky it's just, there. The vibe's different. Yeah. And, like, what's possible is clearly different. You know, it's interesting the the thought that that could be coming in the light of I just read this year for the first time the tipping point, mm. and in that book is the story of how 
the Giuliani or, or in pre-Giuliani era cleanup of New York happened. And that story is like, basically they just cleaned up the trains and then that had this effect, this rippling effect of like, interesting, help it clean up the trains and clean, like just physically like, clean them up, like scrub yeah. the graffiti off. Them. And then the, the, just the, the psychological impact of that gate, like mm-hmm. put a message out to the whole city that, like, Oh, things are changing. So, and I know that book was a big deal. I only just read it this year, but I, I think 20 years prior is a big deal. I know that Gladwell has since been, like slightly discredited, maybe not with that, but just as a dude, he mm. might have just been like semi canceled for like being a shit somehow. Malcolm Gladwell, I think so. That is, that seems unfathomable. Listen, I'm confident that that happened to Morgan Spurlock, and I know I confuse the two. I don't know who bit. Morgan Spurlock. Uh, supersize me. The, oh, oh, got guy, it. Got all it. right. I don't. So, no, so, I haven't heard about anything from from Malcolm Gladwell because I just heard Malcolm, him on a podcast. It's, it's Morgan. Um, can I come in? Yeah, are you busy? I know Sunday morning. Could I just maybe come in for a cup of coffee? I don't think you're allowed in here. Uh, I think uh, everybody's heard about what you mm. did or or might have done. There isn't any conclusive. Evidence, Mr. Gladwell. Is it better if I call you? If I just call you Mr. Gladwell, I call you Mr. Morgan. I will call you uh, Mr. Morgan. You you can call me uh, I, Mr. Gladwell. But I have I, changed my last name from from Spurlock to Schmidt. I will I will now call you Mr. Schmidt. But what I cannot do is invite you into this coffee house. This coffee house is a coffee house that is is is. We we just want to keep it a certain way. There's a certain kind of decorum. There's a certain there's a certain there's a certain character that we want to keep. Certain level that we want to keep this place at. We don't know what you've done. There's a rigor that we want to uphold. Due diligence, scientific integrity. We want to do diligence, and we want to not do whatever you've been accused of doing. We want to don't do what you did and do due diligence i just wanted to talk to you because well i guess i'll just say it here i've heard oh 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 oh! you're gonna say it here you're gonna just just say it i'd rather speak to you in in the privacy of i presume you have a private nook somewhere in there oh what we absolutely cannot do is meet privately i can't be seen meeting with you privately and i certainly can't meet with you publicly and now we're met sort of in between which i guess is no i understand you you have you have this we're in the doorway of this coffee shop. In the yeah, in the will it happen mode. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just Out gonna of continue. For you. I'm gonna continue to seem like I might walk away at any point. Okay, just okay. yeah, know, that, that, I, I can live with that. Okay, so I'm gonna keep waving my hands here like I'm like just begging and pleading, and you just don't give me invisible. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So that let is. Just, let me just say that beckoning I'm, is oh, working on God. me. And a personal level, that beckoning is really affecting me. But I'm gonna keep on my heels. Keep kind of balancing on my heels as though I will retreat at any moment, as though good. I cannot, I cannot possibly oh, spare this, I've just the time. Three different people all just looked right at me and shook their heads like, oh, what a, what a, so this is, this is working. There's a lot of You're disdain, cleaning. disapproval in your I've general heard, direction. I've heard some things. What, Morgan, you, you, you've, you've, we've, you've heard some things about you, but we've heard, we, you've heard some things about I've heard about things about, us. about you and about some of your theories. I, okay. I've heard that you conducted some John Mulaney style. Um, or maybe that was John Daly, whoever that was, who had the for the phone commercials, had yes. those like focus groups with little kids. Yes. 
John Mulaney con- conducted some different studies where he uh, had different uh, wives. Uh, so mm. yeah. and then he had a, I think he had a TV show, a Netflix show with little. Anyway, yes. there was somebody. Maybe it was a late night guy. He was anyway. There was somebody. Morgan, please get to the I point. Heard because that your theories were created by first graders, and then you just wrote them down and were like, "That's dumb, kids," and then presented some of them as your own concepts, and you flushed them out well, but you didn't credit the six-year-olds. Keep your voice down. I okay. didn't credit. Oh, please, just I'm starving. Okay, keep your voice. Uh, <laughs> well, the. From the mouths of babes, really what I did was I, I, I heard these theories and I saw the brilliance that they had and I adapted them and, and I, I, I made the choice to adapt them, to push them forward, promote them, advocate for them on the behalf of these first graders who don't have a lot of agency of their own in the adult, in the adult world. You're making a lot of gestures. And people are looking in this direction. Is it too many gestures? This is a moment when I don't want people to notice us because you've brought up a subject that is that is sore only because of perception. I'm just going to slump down against the the, the lintel of the door here and look like I'm just crying. That's somehow more conspicuous. But then you can look compassionate without looking like you accept me. I just don't want any of my stigma to rub off on you here because I want one of us to have a career that survives and it's not me anymore. Some stench of scandal is wafting off of the both of us and... Uh, I I really I feel I I just want to settle this. I want to nip this in the bud. Okay. I my work wasn't done for me. I I I, I, I did the work I've... of developing these theories. They were posited to me by a first grader on a whim, a childlike reverie. But I saw truth in them, and I dove further uh, into those truths. Already, even this language seems questionable. Here's, and here's, just, here's just what I want to tell you. Okay. Okay, I'll leave. Here's what I want to tell you. Who was that for? This whole thing, mm. this this whole thing of like the idea did or didn't originate with you. Yes, more. It's it's a sword that only cuts the person wielding it. Because listen, my theories that I started with it was all proven to be hogwash. It was just stuff that my uncle used to say when he was drunk, or that my mom would say when she wanted to hurt my feelings. And I was like, maybe these are real things. And I presented them as like real dietary advice. Well, then when people say like, oh, Spurlock, you're giving all this bogus dietary advice that's hurting people. I said, it wasn't even my idea. That did not help. But in your case, people are now, if people find out that it wasn't rigid, it's your work, but not their idea. They find out about that, you're screwed. Even though it's the like, same thing I did. You know what I mean? Morgan, what are you, you're proposing something. Yes. You're coming to a point. You want to offer me some sort of no, proposition. I want, to, I want to go out there. Yes. As the discredited stench of stigma of decrepitude morally that I bear. And so far, I, want, I agree with your estimation I of yourself. Want to yep. get, I want to help you get ahead of these rumors by me going out and spreading these rumors, and then people will not believe them because they came from me. That seems like an idea that will unravel and blow up in my face. That's only happened to me one time before, and it was regarding my career. I think I'm due for a win. And because of that explanation, I'm now tempted to go along with you. I'll tell you what. Here's what we'll do. I'll invite you into the coffee shop. We'll sit at a separate table near the bathroom, and let's talk this over. We can only have milk and not coffee. The drink of shame. Scene. <laughs> really, I, I do like that as a recipe for like how to interact with someone with while making it clear that like I'm not cool with this person, <laughs> yes. but as a decent Christian or whatever, I'm I am going to give them space to speak. Oh, my God. Separate tables, by the bathroom, both only drinking milk. No one's having a good time. (laughs)
That's really it's pretty that's good. Really fun. I uh, so I, what is this that I want to say? I I think of uh uh you Jeff. I've always thought of you as like at least at the pit as sort of like uh, and I don't even know how apart we are in age, but you. I'm 44 my, today. Oh, I happy mean, I, birthday! I, no, no. I at this moment am 44 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you were born at some point. Yep, thank you. I well, did happy birthday, birthday for that. Just a few months ago, yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Yeah, I've always thought of you as sort of like, even, you know, we met probably more than 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. My level two class, which mm-hmm. is at the latest 2010, it was probably 2009. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, as like an elder statesman, at least of the pit, if not of the New York improv scene, which is interesting because you're a Chicago boy. That's true. Born and raised right there in the town of the bear. Does that title resonate with you or not resonate with you? It's like I an think, elder statesman of um, New York improv. I've, uh, short answer, no. Uh-huh. Short answer, no. Okay. I say if I was still like currently as active at the pit as I like have been the majority of the time, I would be comfortable feeling like an elder statement statesman at the pit. I think that in any of the various lobes of the like first and second tier of the New York scene, there will be people who know me or know of me, but who know me, but by no means am I known everywhere. I'm known like people who passed through the pit. Do we have a particularly odd seen in new york it feels like from what i know about chicago there's more of a middle class where like like you can have different levels of like uh uh importance Mm. or uh influence and respect and clout for lack of a better word in new york it sort of feels like if you're not amy poehler or donald glover there's almost complete anonymity everywhere. Unless you started a theater, Mm. everyone's anonymous until they get a Comedy Central deal or something like that. I think that's more or less right. Like, yeah. yeah. I've definitely had conversations and have, I've been both sides of conversations where I or the other person, where one of us mentions someone that like we're both about to interact with or maybe be coached by or go see a show with or whatever. And like one of us will be like, oh, this person was on a team with somebody we're very excited about, right? Mm -hmm. And I've had that happen where I say that and I'm just so excited. And of course the person I'm talking to doesn't happen to know who that person is, the 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 famous associate. And so they're like, eh. And then I've also had them do the oh yeah, they were on a they were on a show with, you know, with with like Bo Blarbley. And I'm like, is that good? You know? It's so I think I think it's like you know the people you happen to fucking know. And those people might glow very, very brightly in your eyes and in the eyes of everyone around you when you were seeing them. And so you all think you know that person. But, yeah, it's very easy to go very deep and be very active in a little pocket and not see the stuff that's outside the pocket. That is odd to me. I that, that I've, I don't know if anybody's ever put it that way before. That's something I've that's it just now occurred to me in saying it to you that I didn't realize about mm. the New York improv scene that we all we all know the theaters and the hubs. Mm hmm. But within those, each of, like, I have, my entire improv career, I've known nothing about the inner workings of the UCB. Right. Nothing. nothing. Yeah. I mean, I did, like, I did two levels of classes there. I knew a few people. There is, there is, like, a set 
there's not a set. There's there is an array of people, and there's it's a small number. It's like a handful of people uh, at any given time that you will also know who do who are active at two or three of the theaters. Oftentimes at like three, right at at like the Pit and Magnet and UCP. Yes, right? there yes, are yes. those people. Yeah, and so they will know everybody, and the, and sometimes it's from those if the ones of those that I know, that's who I will know who anybody is. Because they will be like, oh, yeah, so if I did this show, and so so-and-so, and those people usually actually are very aware of the phenomenon we're talking about. And so they will give you that little, like, newspaper-style background blurb. They'll be like, well, actually, I got a chance to be in a show that was directed by, you know, Rick Rombo. Uh, he founded the blah, blah, blah show, which, like, you know, they will know what things you will have heard of. But, yeah, there's those people who do the bouncing back and forth. But, uh, or, or rather, simultaneously both. But even those, a lot of times... It's it, some of them will do that forever. Some of them will eventually mostly localize to one. Local, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still be friendly with people, the others, and dive in here and there. But it's very rare that anybody simultaneously produces shows at two or more of them. That's uh, pretty rare. Okay, how much of your life <laughs> has been dedicated to improv? Would you say improv is the center craft of your life? Would you say comedy? Would you say theater? Would you say that art is the center through line at all, I guess spiritually or in terms of what your main interests are or your career-wise? Where does improv uh, find itself in the matrix of what Jeff Grimwood is about? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the biggest quantity of what i've done it's it's right at the center it's kind of at the heart of everything and it is yeah sort of the 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 art form of it's like my home art form and uh, or whatever it's my home thing to do and also like the one that is the most like perfect for me mm-hmm. you know and the one mm-hmm. that i like resonate the most with it's also the one that i can and do bring to everything else whether i'm supposed to or not you know but i think even if you're not supposed to it's generally welcome even you just have to dress it up you have to you have to you know um like you like when my kid was very little he's he's 17 now but when my kid was very little we would always it always be people saying oh well i took some broccoli and i blended it and then i blended it into this cookie dough and now i give my kid these cookies and that's how they're eating their broccoli and it's like you got to do that with improv sometimes in certain situations you know where certain like highfalutin directors don't want you to don't like we're like don't you fucking improvise on me you're like cool won't do it but then you just so you just improvise some blocking or you improvise you know like nonverbal things but you just do you know what i mean oh i know exactly what what you mean i think i've always uh i've always i've done improv i started acting from doing improv and somehow intuitively before i knew anything about it i always knew improv should be the center of 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 my technique whatever technique i have around acting somehow it probably from reading when you i feel like when you read the books of all the like great acting techniques mm. and approaches yeah at the end of the book it's all like yeah you should just be improvising the whole time yeah you know what i mean um i want to i i I won't speak for I won't speak to Meisner because I learned Meisner at, the, at Esper Studios, which like technically is like Bill Esper's own like slightly different version of teaching. It, the, it's it's like slightly tweaked or whatever. But in the Esper version of Meisner, like literally, sort of the, what you're striving for, the way they put it is uh, <laughs> like living. It's it's living truthfully in imaginary circumstances, but it's also like ah, uh, they I had it and I lost it. The exact phrase, but it's something along the lines of yeah, like 
like freshly discovering each moment over and over again. Like if you're doing a scene a hundred times or doing a play a thousand times, it's like you are freshly improvising your way through it, like having it happen for the first time every time. And like even and you're literally are improvising the exact same thing every time, but you like are finding it new each time for sure. Like they, but they have language about that right there in there. I agree. What is your theory? Okay. I heard. I have a, a question for you. Yes, please. Uh, I want to get back to yours, but you're directing shit right now, right? You have I'm project co-directing about- and starring in it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you co-direct, when you direct, when you do think that it's not like, you know, there is a Shakespeare project that is a like scripted or mostly scripted thing. Where do you have improv overtly? Like, where do you say or tell the people about improv? Where's your policy? Um, I mean, my point of view, and I teach. Uh, yeah, you teach at Brooklyn College. I teach at Brooklyn College. I teach at Columbia. Okay. Teaching cl- clown there, not oh, improv. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And um, uh, at Brooklyn College, I remember today was my first day with my improv students who were mm. they're, they're starting. At Brooklyn College, they have a BFA, so they have a conservatory program. So a new cohort just began today. Awesome. And uh, I, I, uh, one thing I told them was I made a point to say, uh, you know, I teach their improv class, and we were reading the syllabus, and I told somebody, hey, read the technical name of this class, and it's acting one. Mm. And I said, that's important. Uh, I think it's really, re- I think I, I'm very... One of the reasons I love Brooklyn College, uh, and I'm not cheerleading for it, I have no allegiance to anyone or anything, but I will say, I think in their wisdom, like, that is what I think a theater program should do. Mm. Improv should be the first acting class. Brilliant. Um, And uh, to me, I just feel, basically, I just feel like, uh, I think if you're a real improviser, you know that just because you know what you're going to say, doesn't mean you don't improvise there's a million things to improvise besides what you're gonna say yeah there's you know i mean there's so many things to improvise so you know um so that's basically what i feel is that like i'm improvising all the time just because i know what i'm gonna say doesn't mean i know how i'm gonna say it why i'm gonna say it where i'm gonna look when i say it uh what the music of it is gonna be when i say it what foot i'm gonna be standing on when i say you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know any of those things that's gonna come from What's happening around me at that time? Nice, yeah, fucking agree. Now, do you bring some improvisational approach to non-performance, other shit that you do? I mean, I've been improvising since I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Almost the the breaks. Definitely, I've been improvising more than I haven't been. Mm. So at this point, improv is very central to my life. It's like improv to me is like, uh, and I can, I think I'll always do it like yoga. You know, I think uh, to me, improv is a, is, is a metaphor for the, for being creative, Mm. period. So uh, I think I'll always improvise. Okay. But like if you're cooking, if I'm cooking, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's present everywhere just because I have an attitude of like, all right, let's see. All right, we did this. Now what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I have that attitude very well ingrained in me. Yeah. And I don't think that was natural. I think that's something that having an improv mind most of my life unlocked in me. 
and enabled me to do. So I think I have that mind. That's awesome. All, yeah, That's all awesome. the time because of because of improv. All right, I love that. All right. Um, Ralph. Yes. I know it's just third grade art. I know that this isn't necessarily going to go up in a museum. Already wrong. You use the word just. I don't know what that means. I'm just going to try to ask you here, Ralph, could you, this is sculpture time. This is our little sculpture unit. And I, I, I just like you to sculpt with some clay. It's all this clay here. And you're, you're not sculpting with the clay, Ralph. Before I sculpt with the clay, I've got to sculpt myself. I've got to prepare myself for this activity, okay? All right, Mr. Jeff. You're, you're, so why you're, don't you just back up and allow a young bird to spread his wings? Allow an allow allow a allow a, allow a peacock to peacock. Ralph, I want to be totally clear here. This is a Montessori school. Yes. If you want to get up from the art, that's area, what you call it. If you want to get up from the art area and you want to go and do some math or you want to go and wash a pumpkin or you want to go. I'm reading about Napoleon. There you go. You can. You 100% can. That's the that is the spirit of Maria Montessori. Here in the room, making space for you to do that when you are here in the art area. Yeah, get to it. Get to it. I feel there's a big butt coming. And you tell coming. me that you're gonna do the sculpting today. I feel there's a big butt coming, Mr. Mr. Jeff. Well, you, you it's about halfway done. You you have but with two t- but with two T's. You have sculpted a, a large butt. But you've sculpted it with the new, the number counting beads. You're embarrassed by the human form. I am embarrassed by what I don't understand here, Ralph. You don't understand you you how wanted... butts work? I understand very well how butts work. Do, do you? Would you like to learn about butts? Two cheeks. No waiting. Yeah, I know. I thought you didn't know that one. Me and my friends, I thought me and my friends thought we made that up. I'm sure you did. Ralphie, it's a thing we that I uh, have heard called parallel invention, where multiple if there's a good idea, multiple people will have it. I went to this school, Ralphie. Look up over your head. What do you see? Do you see the MG? That's made it. That's uh, it's made of gummy bears. Those are gummy bears that have been sticking on that ceiling for about uh, 25 years now. How is how is an eight year old back in the back in the day? Gummy bears were made of a uh, different kind of stuff, and if you got them nice and wet. Nice and wet, and you stuck them to something smooth, they would dry out with like a chemical bond. Yes, but that's perfect penmanship and perfect gradation of color. Mm hmm. You're a Michelangelo. I'm an art teacher on purpose for a reason. Uh, teach me your ways. I, I bow to you and. I bow to you and present to you my recorder. I was gonna, I was gonna strike your shins with it. But well, n- if that's if that's what your curiosity is leading to do. You may, but I'd like to show you how to sculpt with clay, so that when you go to sculpt buttocks and whatnot from count, counting beads, you can do it even 
happier technique that makes you feel like you've expressed yourself. Mr. Jeff. Yeah, Ralph. Can I go to the bathroom? I have a lot of beans in my nostrils. My friend, if that's where your curiosity leads you. See, it's <laughs> beautiful. Uh, okay, here we go. I got ah, got caught. Got to yeah. read this copy. Read that copy, Ralph. Um, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener supported radio. You're listening to Ralph. You're listening to Ralph Jean Pierre and Jeff Grimwood on No Suggestion. Um, hey, you could support us. Um, you could uh, uh, pledge a one-time donation or do a monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org backslash donate. Hey, get the Radio Free Brooklyn mobile app so you can listen to Radio Free Brooklyn on your phone or whenever. Do that. Uh, this is what I want to ask yeah, you. Man. I can't stop thinking about uh, an episode. Oh, wow. We've already done a lot. It flies. I, I can't stop thinking about an episode of, uh, I think it was improv nerd with jimmy corain mm. the infamous uh mm. and uh i think he had bob odenkirk on nice and bob Oden, he asked bob odenkirk about something that uh bob had been quoted saying which was like yeah everybody's studying improv now but what 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 are you gonna do with it where's it going what do you, yeah we're all taking an improv classes but what are you gonna do with this and uh yeah i uh that feels that felt so incisive at the time and it feels so even more prescient now for you and your how many years have you been improvising uh almost 20 okay in 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 that time so call it 19 what have you gathered about what you're doing why you're doing it what has it led to and what is it leading to? What is a life in improv? Uh, I don't want to say yielded, but what path do you think it, it's taking you down, has taken and is taking you down now in a, in, in, in a sort of general estimation? Man. Well, that's a big question, Ralph. It's very big. It felt it felt big as I was saying it, but I was I like, let's you, just see what, let's see where this goes. I will, I will tell you the, first leg of that path like where they like the moment i started it started the path uh and that first leg of it was leading me away it was a it was an off-ramp or a branch off of the path that i was on okay which was i was i was in chicago reading electric meters for the electric company okay working you know eight hours a day i'd get done Drive home, I'd eat some food, watch a couple movies, maybe play some games on my computer, drink some beers. Period. I would, you know, weekends would get taken up with seeing family in town. I had a, like a couple of friends that I would see on a regular basis. That's it. Jack shit. Yeah. And I had done some theater in high school and like really loved it. And it was, that was what lit me up in a way that nothing else really ever had. Um, and then once high school was over and there was nobody like walking up and handing me things saying, hey, come audition for this. I just was just floating along. Oh, uh, but acting was there early. It was in, in high school. Wow. Like senior year of high school, though. You were a I, theater guy? Just for that last year, but I, I, I bit down hard, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I was uh, just floating along, and I would sometimes think about, and sometimes people would say, you know, people who'd known me 
long enough, be like, hey, didn't you really like doing all that acting stuff? Don't you want to do some more? And I'd be like, yeah, I do. I would like to do that someday. But when I would think about what to do, like, could I do that? I hadn't gone to college. I didn't really have any training after high school. And in my mind anyway, and this is sort of false. At least you didn't have to go to college for it. But in my mind, like, I knew Chicago was a big theater town. There's tons of theater. But I didn't think you could walk in. I would not have ever walked in to audition for something having no fucking training, right? And I didn't know at that time that you could take, like, a whole series of acting classes at theaters. I didn't know. So I thought you had to go to college for it. I hadn't, all right? And so I was like, all right, I can't. There's no bar to entry there. And then... Uh, I had gone to a couple of improv shows just to, like to have something to do with like uh, a girlfriend at the time. And then there was a big uh, uh, like front page, like art feature in the local, the reader, which was like the village voice of Chicago, all about improv uh, focused mostly on improv Olympic and, but also at other things like the improv scene in town and talking about it. And they interviewed Sharna Halpern, the, the founder and runner of, uh, of IO since canceled eight ways, at least two ways till Sunday. Yes. Um, and, uh, but, she said in there something along the line, like she said, you know, uh, very proudly, she's like, we have an improv team that's all accountants and we have an improv team that's all dentists and we have improv teams for all kinds of different people. You don't have to be an actor. You don't have to be a performer. You don't have to have anything at all to come and do improv and be an improviser on our stages. And all you got to do to get started is just sign up for a class. And I was like, I could do that. I could walk in with no training because that's what I've got to offer. And I could just like this place clearly was welcoming exactly people like me and so i was like all right i'll let me see like it was it was overtly welcoming to me no judgments type of space and so i was like oh come on in oh come in there yeah oh come on in i i see you you got a you got only half of your pants there lost lost i lost the other half i lost the other half oh now that's now that's a problem uh oh, that's a problem in a town like this. I knew it. Now I knew I'd never fit in here. You're a strapping lad, but you got only half your pants. I'm very strapping, and sometimes my pants burst off, and I don't notice before they're blown away on the wind. My word! Now you got a you got a bit of a problem. Could there, you spare half a pant? I I I'm sorry. Now first, could I earn all, half a pant? This is a general store. Now we do have a pant. Could I wash dishes to earn a pant? You, you, you will have to if you have no money. I've become Scottish. I you, now, but you're 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 a gentleman. Now you're a bit. Now I have to comment on this and forgive me if I'm a bit rude. If I'm a bit forward, it's your store. You can say what you like. Your, I'm learning here. Your skin is green. Yeah, your skin is green, and you have and you. I've already seen your nostrils flare. You got a temper on you. Yeah. I don't want to be having no trouble if I if I have you washing dishes back there to to gain a to earn well, a whole pant because I can't sell you half a pant because what will I do with the other half? Gertrude, it's it's Gertrude, right? Gertrude's store. This is your store. Your Gertrude. I'm Gertrude's store. This is my store. That's a coincidence. Oh, ma'am, I'll just call you ma'am. Ma'am, I'm gonna level with you. This is the only town left. I have burned my bridges in every single town, smaller than 10,000 people in the United States. Now, I have to confess, I know who you are. Yeah. I've read about you. You're that uh, You're that Hulk fella. Uh-huh. Incredible and otherwise, yeah. Well, there's, there's not too many things incredible about this town. There's not many incredible dishes back there, but they need a washing. They need a good, firm washing. Miss Gertrude, 
Nothing would make me happier than an honest day's work and an honest kitchen. May I? What would make me happy is for you to get another half of your pants. I tried. I'm trying to just do everything right here so I didn't steal anything off of a clothesline, and I've stolen so, I've raided so many clotheslines, Miss Gertrude. Let me tell you, Mr. Mr. Hulk, I'll call you that. You can call me Bruce. You can call me David. Those are two different first names. You can call me Hulk or Rooney. I'll call you Mr. Hulk. Mr. Hulk is fine. You don't have to be perfect here. You just, you just got to be on time, reliable, consistent, and and have a good, some good elbow grease for those dishes I, back there. I've got elbow grease enough to lubricate a battleship. Now that's what I like to hear. You, if I may ask, did, did bikers ever come through this town? Any roughs? Any rowdies? Maybe come in here and cause a ruckus, start acting mean to you, the one person who's been nice to me. Sometimes they do. Shit. Sometimes they do, and they're and they're rough, and they speak roughly to me. <sighs> do and they do they threaten to push you around, and maybe even like like put a like a light hand on you? Oh, they nudge me, they jostle me, shove me. Oh. They uh they they're rude to my three boys who no. are who are who have who are fatherless oh. and shoeless. And uh, my word, and uh, they they order biscuits and don't pay, and yet I serve them each time because I trust. Oh say, God! Oh, did we'll they pay have, this time, Miss Gertrude. Did they ever just drop the biscuits on the floor and then laugh? And, and not before they drop kick them halfway across the street. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! You're getting more green there, Mister Hulk. You can't wash right. dishes that way. You're right. My dishes need washing. And also the tin where I bake the cookies. This tin here? Yes, yeah, a tin. It's a, it's, a, it's a lovely tin. I'm just going to start pre-soaking that. Please. Start pre-soaking it. I need you to be calm. I need you to be good. Because once you earn that pair of pants, why then if you go split those in half, you'll have to wash dishes for another pair. Because I won't sell you half. Because what will I do with the other half? Put it on a dog. You can make it into like a bag. Um, put a ukulele in. Uh, some arrows if you're into archery. There's a lot of stuff you can do with a pant leg. I've, I've, you know, like, like these guys on Gilligan's Island, they figured out everything you do with a coconut because that's what they were lousy with. Well, I, I've generated a lot of, a lot of split pant legs. You've made a lot of pant art in your day, have you? A lot of bags and hats. You can make like a Waldo style hat. Well, oh God, I broke the tin. I broke your tin. That makes me so. I'll add that to the tab. Just so now you owe me for a pant, a whole pant, and now a cookie tin. Well. Sometimes I hold my breath and see if that helps. You've got to breathe, Mr. Hulk. Oh, God. Is that motorcycles? This isn't going to work. And see. <laughs> <Isn't> beautiful. <laughs> I, love, that was, I love that world. Yeah. I love to, I love to be that lady. <laughs> Oh, man, that lady is, yeah, she's no nonsense, and the nonsense comes, and she squashes the nonsense <laughs> always, 100%. Um, I love it. Uh, what is, man, <clears throat> this, is, I was surprised, I, I don't think I ever really met your boy. Maybe I'd seen him in passing at the pit. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But you're the dad of a 17-year-old man. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? And... And he does comedy as well. Mm-hmm. See, this is something I'm I'm fascinated with. So there's a few that I know of 
sort of beginnings of dynastic improv families. <laughs> and this is a preoccupation of mine. I'm very, uh, 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 the, the most progressed of that, I would say that I know of is Daryl and Raquel Palmas. And then, uh, and, yeah. and then probably yourself. You probably have the oldest improv kid that I know. Probably. We had him pretty young. Um, relatively speaking. I think, uh, I'm not going to speak on it, but I think, <laughs> uh, Matt Higgins as a, as a, as a kid. And I think, I know his kid. She's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I think some of the Centralia boys get, and so, uh, yeah, I'm fascinated about that. What is that? If you can speak on it at all, what kind of role has improv played in, as a, in your role as a father? Because you've been improvising almost as long as you've been a father. Longer. Longer, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There, you've been improvising. You've been a father almost as long as you've been improvising. Mm, That's yeah. what I meant to say. Yeah, I was, I was eh, about three years in when he was born. Unreal. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. Did it? Okay, this is my first official question. Did it help, or did it? Was it a another a challenge? Because oh, of it a hundred percent helped. It helped on like every any level, like zoom level. You zoom all the way out, and it or zoom most of the way out, and it helped just that, like you know, because like uh, yeah, he he could tell you as well as me. Like, like we didn't see him coming. It was like whoa, all right. And like, wow. like it, it helped where to where like you know my like then girlfriend, we'd been together for like three years, but like my like then girlfriend you know could like you know take me out for an Italian ice be like and like take me to the little spot in the park where we would always have like serious conversations and then be like Jeff I'm pregnant and I you know and at that point I'm 26 and reading electric meters and doing improv shows six seven nights a week and uh, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing and you know she's waiting tables and whatever and like thanks to like the numbers of experiences i have had of stepping into us into like literally stepping into an empty space where i had no plan and i had promised something was going to happen and it worked out awesome over and over again and then worked out terribly occasionally but was still fine thanks to all that experience i could go oh all right you know like i like and we both were like able to be like well this is scary in its way and that's okay was is your uh no your wife's not an improviser i think i've met her once yeah you met her at least we definitely met her at the show in march and you've met her probably once or twice she she knows who you are okay like her her, i could always like i could always like she must have seen you in some shows okay with me or something she she she's a fan oh Um, awesome yeah uh uh yeah she did she did classes at the pit for a while she went through three or four levels so even that's good because it's like there's some understanding there. There's some common language. There's yeah. some common uh, skill set, or even uh, at least a belief system. I feel like if you're mm-hmm. if you're if you're doing improv, like you yeah. sort of believe. I mean, she partially did it just to like so she could like see what it is I do all day, and That's so she could try to take some of that on and like and yeah, just like experience it, and yeah, so she would know what the hell I'm talking about and what what's going on. Oh, that's um, so cool. And she liked a lot. She was like, she you know like did all of it, did all her class shows, and was like, okay. This was great. I had a really good time doing this. I can tell you for sure. I'm not a performer. I didn't ever need to do that again. You know? Uh, yeah. But she loved taking it on and, and met some cool people, et cetera. Um, yeah. But so, so yeah. But, like, she is and has always been an extremely, like, brave, almost belligerently brave person. So, like, wow. when, you know, the baby came up and we were both like, ooh. And also very, like, confident and sure of herself. 
So like she was like, once we decided, yep, we're going to do this. She was like, I know that we can do this. I couldn't tell you how right now, but I know that we can. And she started making plans of how to do it. And I was able to comfortably be go through so much of you have a kid. Some like for a lot of people, including me, having a kid is something where like if you wait till you're like you're ready, you may never have the kid. And if you really want to have the kid, I would, you know, kind of recommend that you hope to be surprised by one earlier than you thought you would have one. Because I we never would have been like, yeah, we're ready. This is a good time to do it. You know, with like student debt and shit, how do you like decide to do have a kid? Huh. We were never going to be making the kind of money that we're like, it would make sense to do it. But like he showed up and we're like, okay, we can make this work. That and feels we like such a life. <clears throat> I feel like you learn that over and over again. And it's so hard to learn. And improv even teaches it that like, it's like that, uh, that Lauren Michael saying, we don't go on because we're ready. We go on because it's 1130. Mm-hmm. 1000% about everything. Wow. Yeah. You know, and so, and, it, and it's, it's so much. And so not for nothing. He like he was born, and then and like the I'm skipping unnecessary details of the plan, but basically like the way the planning worked out was that he was born, and then five months later we moved to New York from Chicago, and we moved to New York to New York with a five month old. You know, we're just five months into like knowing how to have a, even have a kid. We have no family here, no friends here. We have no people here at all. All my family's in Chicago or further. What year was this? Two thousand five. Okay. Okay. And you know, I had never gone to college. Jenny was uh, coming here to like do two years at Columbia to finish her undergrad there. And so we're like, all right, we're. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck we're gonna do. Okay, let's do it. You know, because that was something I'd done a million times. Is I don't know what the fuck we're gonna do. Let's go. You know. And so we. And like, I am very good. <laughs> I was already naturally tended to not look very far ahead, but. Through all these years of improv and shit, I, I am very, very good at like being comfortable if I can see where I'm about to put my foot next. Or- I'm gonna leap the canyon. I'm gonna leap the canyon. Yeah. Um. You with me, Billy? I'm. Uh, yeah. Don't think too much. Okay. Let's leap it. All right. Let's get on our motorcycles. On motorcycles. Leap this canyon. Ah, uh, motorcycle. Smart. I was like, I don't think I can run that fast, but the motorcycle can run that fast. Okay, right. you're just giving me an idea, Billy. Yeah. Let's run and leap the canyon. All right. All right. I want to run. The motorcycle feels like a cheat. Listen. Let's put our little our little side wheels on the motorcycle. Tie the motorcycles together. Start them up. They start rolling. We start running. See who gets across first. Here we go. I'm gonna start I'm tying up. I'm tying them up. I'm bracing them. I got the braces out for when we do four wheel mode. Billy, get this. Get a load of this. I got a new idea. I got a new idea. Yeah. Here it is. Let's pick up one motorcycle together. Uh-huh. You take one end. I take the other end. Uh-huh. Let's pick that up and yeah. leap over the canyon, carrying the motorcycle. Holy shit! The motorcycle's gonna ride us across the gate. We're not gonna ride the motorcycle. The motorcycle's going to ride us. It's only right. It's only justice at this point that a motorcycle gets to jump across a canyon on some people. All right, get underneath it. I'm going to take the left side. Uh, uh, all right. Ooh, it's, it's still hot. hot. It's still, still hot. hot. Oh, all right. Ah, the back flesh. It's okay. You all right, Billy. You're my best friend. You're my best friend, Roach. You're my best goddamn friend. All right, here we go. <laughs> I do the bull paw. Bull uh, paw every... Uh, Two, one. Oh, shit. Okay. 
we're flying. Holy shit. We're flying. Holy shit. Holy moly. Wow. What? Wait a minute. Is that God? Oh. Are you, are you God? Hi, God. I guess we didn't make it over the canyon, Billy. I guess maybe we didn't, Rush. But guess what? I still got the gummy bears in my pocket. <laughs> oh, we got snacks. All right, see. <laughs> All right, beautiful. Um, yeah, that's a what a beautiful. Uh, I didn't expect to get such a uh, an inspiring uh, uh, story tonight, Jeff. Wow, <laughs> wow. And then and so that was almost seventeen years ago, and seventeen mm-hmm. years later, you're, you're you're here. Yeah. God, and this is, and it's so funny because New York seems to be like it's the last city it seems like it's right to come to without a definite plan mm, i love that and you you came and and you made it work through this thing that like gave you it's funny that this thing you you kind of maybe had were looking for direction after high school mm-hmm. and you went to this thing mm-hmm. that oddly the tenants of it or have no direction discover yeah. one uh, improv is very much like if you basically you know like everything that my own personal whatever like focus issues and like uh phobias or whatever all the shit that like uh like i would if i tried to do i'd kind of bounce off of or i couldn't quite get there like if i if every time i went in a direction and couldn't get anywhere with it like i couldn't get myself to start or whatever and like each door that i sort of bumped up against and couldn't find, get myself to open those doors outline a circle and what's left inside that circle is improv. Like everything that I could do is useful in improv and is all you need for improv. I can show up. I can like go for it and I can, you know, like be fine with something moment to moment, whether it's good or not. And that's so interesting because that in some ways might seem we're coming to the last moment mm-hmm. might seem useless. But then if you get really good at that, if you practice that a lot, that becomes a very rare skill set. So many high paying gigs I have just walked into and been like, like I've been hired to do and there's no time to prep and I'm, I'm totally calm wow. knowing that like one way or another, I'm going to get in there and there will be time enough for me to get, figure out what to do for the first minute. And during that first minute, I'll figure out what to do for the next one and I get through it and it rules. You got 10 seconds, Jeff Grimwood plug, plug something that you're doing. Uh, just go to goodgameimprov.com and you'll get info on when to do uh, online drop-ins with me. They're dirt cheap and very fun. Goodgameimprov.com. Grimsy is uh, one of the best improv teachers in the city. I'm pretty good. Yes. Uh, goodgameimprov.com. This is no suggestion. We love you. Love you, Ralphie. Yeah.